Super Jump Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Farley-Wolf, and I'm here, as usually, with editor-in-chief of the Super Jump Magazine, and uh, all-around pretty good guy, James Burns. Hi, James. How's it, how's it going? It's it's going great. I'm I'm sweltering in the heat here, in the crazy heat wave we're going through at the moment, but other than that, all good. Interesting. It's one of It's been one of the coldest days on record. I mean, it's not that interesting. We, we've discussed before how our <laughs> weather isn't the same. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> is is totally opposite. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was about to eat a multivitamin right now because I was on autopilot, and you know what? <laughs> I'm gonna not do that for the sake of the show. That's how much I care about this podcast. Exactly that much. Um, <laughs> we have a we have a pretty all right show to uh for you today. We know we missed a week, and that is just something that is unavoidable. Sometimes I sometimes have a uh like a a. a method of doing a show when james you 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 do the show every other week and and, and we plan on that but i sometimes have something for those in between weeks just didn't have one this time it would have been a bad show because i would have been just kind of talking um but here we got a good one we got you james and we got a few really interesting news items and uh i one of the most exciting playtime reports in a while um it, it, I'll, yeah, I'll tell you what, definitely. James. I even like the after-school activities we have all around. Pretty interesting episode. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> before that gets started, though, uh, I, I I wanted to just uh, you know do our our patented host-to-host little conflab that we do at the beginning of these shows. Uh, James, I started <laughs> a I started a master's student degree. Um, uh, yeah. Yes. Two weeks ago. And it, it's my first time back in school in in um around three years or no it's like more like more like two years, but in in general it's 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 been a while, and now I'm doing classes again. And you you know what you don't remember about classes if you've been out of them for a little bit, um, they're they're really boring. <laughs> they're so boring. <laughs> You have to learn about something that you don't necessarily like, and that's boring. And uh, man, I forgot about that. I kind of just, yeah. I in in my head it was like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll just go and do school again. And now I'm like, oh man, gotta I gotta learn about cloud yeah, computing that... data structures and stuff. Oh, fun times, fun times. <laughs> yeah, I did a I did a short course <clears throat> last year, and it was one of those things where you. You go to night school, I think it was uh, two or three days a week. It was for, for a couple of months. So it wasn't a really long time. But um, I, I was reminded of those movies where, like, you know, mid-30s, mid-40s guy goes back to high school undercover. Yeah. Like, that's how I felt because there were a couple of people in my class that were older than me. But everybody were these, like, really fresh-faced young graduates that were just going on to do this extra study and i kind of just like dragged myself in and <laughs> like you know it uh, it felt a little weird it, it was a good course actually but i'm i'm kind of glad that it didn't go for i think it was three months so it was pretty short um i'm kind of glad it didn't go for any longer than that to be honest i'm in an interesting position where i think i look as young as uh pretty much anyone else that would be taking those classes straight like straight through on their, their normal course um 
but mm. I also have a very shitty old man in the sea beard that is just unkept at any given time. Uh, so really, I, I could play the whole gambit. No one no one can guess my age, uh, and I'm I'm not gonna tell them for free. They have to they have to guess they have to guess my full name, Rumpelstiltskin style, if they want my age. That's those are my rules. Uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. Let's head into the playtime report. James, tell me all about Resident Evil 2 Remake. I'm very excited about this. Well, I think um, there's kind of like two groups of players that are going to come to this, right? So you're either, you've either never played the original Resident Evil 2 on PlayStation, which I think came out in 98 from memory. Sounds right. Um, so you're either coming to it brand new or like me... Um, you played the original and you've been dying for a remake or a remaster or even a port ever since. Um, it actually occurs to me just mentioning this, that I don't think resident evil was ever really ported to any other platforms. Like it, it came to the Nintendo 64, um, which was a bit of a technical miracle. Um, but I'm sure it was on one of the, like, the PlayStation digital stores, right? Later on? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Like, I think if you go onto your PS4 now and you go onto PSN store, I don't think you can get it there. I think you might be able to get it maybe on the store for the the playstation vita or the psp or something well let let me let me step in here because this is one of those things that doesn't need to be a mystery um (laughs) uh okay let's see it came to so the original (laughs) round of consoles was playstation windows and n64 which all came out within like two years of each other oh and dreamcast as well uh then a couple years later that's right gamecube so oh i didn't know that um and, mm. and the win the windows n64 dreamcast and gamecube versions all had uh like a like a modified wait hang on <laughs> oh and, and okay <laughs> and then there was also a game.com handheld version yes, that was like a, was. a different um play style it was like 2.5d according to this yes. wikipedia page yeah, I have vague memories of that. Um, you know, I think, like, if Resident Evil were Tamagotchi, that's kind of maybe something like what that experience was. Um, but, you know, if, if you, um, I guess... Wait, what? Wait, hang on. What another did you just way say? To look at Resident it, Evil and Tamagotchi? No, no. The Game.com version was, was like, one of those little handheld oh, pixely... Oh, okay things yeah i um, i thought you were talking about the, the gameplay i was i went from not being interested to being very interested <laughs> it'd be a good crossover yeah, you can right? raise your Resident zombie and it can turn into any other kind of zombie like a dog zombie or a yeah you know, yeah you just gotta feed it some human limbs now and yeah then. yeah uh, <laughs> but i think like um unlike the first resident evil which had you know multiple ports and a remake and then the remake itself was remastered 
um resident evil 2 just never got that love so you know like if you want to go and play it on an hd console now you really can't do that um so when capcom revealed this last year revealed this remake um i i nearly died like i think it was my the game i was most interested in um, yeah at e3 i remember it, it was it was probably that for many people for that e3 yeah yeah definitely if it wasn't um, smash it, it might have been resident evil too yeah and having played it like um i'm not sure how far i am into it but i've been playing it in a slightly unique way because in my family we have a bit of a resident evil tradition um my siblings and I always play the Resident Evil games together. And I think it stems from the fact that, like, when I would go to play the originals, they were all really, really young. They couldn't really play it, and they probably weren't really supposed to play it. But sure, <laughs> we were, yeah. they would kind of sit with me while I played it. So ever since then, um, you know, even though it's a single-player game, we, we kind of play segments of it. You know, we pass the controller and, and do it that way, and help each other solve puzzles and stuff. Horror games are good for that. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so we've been playing this version together. And it it just... Um, it ticks every single box in my mind. Like, I, I was expecting it to be good, but I think what surprised me is how near flawless it is as a Resident Evil wow. game. Um, and one of the things that I've been reading online, which I think I really agree with, um, a lot of fans are actually saying that they think this is the best Resident Evil game ever made. Do you mean the, specifically the remake or... The remake. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. know, I, I, um, I don't feel like that's that crazy. Uh, it, it seems like... For a really long time, Resident Evil Four was everyone's favorite, and like that—that that was just mm. a, a, a really well-respected classic game. Um, but as time gone has gone on, it it, it seems like Four has uh, in, in, inspired what happens in Five and Six a lot, and it became much more of an action game. And people have seemed to bounce off that kind of with Six being generally hated actually um and, and seven takes it back to the 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 play style and tone more of the original trilogy a bit so i imagine that this now w when when the original trilogy style of, of resident evil game is, is is as popular as it is and and we're kind of in a back to basics period right now um a modern remake of the the one of those three that's considered the best is probably going to be considered the best. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. And it's definitely um, like, I feel like resident evil seven sort of branches off on its own path. It's, it's, it's definitely a lot slower and it's not as action orientated as resident evil sort of four, five and six. But yeah. I think, you know, because of the first person perspective and everything, it's, it's quite a different, it feels quite different to all of the other games. Whereas this one, you've got 
you know, the, the setting and everything of Resident Evil 2. You know, you're in Raccoon City, you're in the police station again. Um, you've got the over-the-shoulder camera perspective like Resident Evil 4. But what they've done that's really awesome is they've they've really selectively modernized the gameplay in just key places that really work well. Um, so although it's slower and you've got this over-the-shoulder perspective, um, the control is so much more kind of fluid and nimble than it ever was before. Um, you know, the, the zombies are kind of amazing again. Like, it, it, was, it was easy in the other games, I think, to kind of get a little bit bored of them over time. They didn't change very sure, much. Sure, yeah. Um, but the zombies here are absolutely incredible, and, and each one of them is kind of genuinely terrifying again. Um, and I think what I'm enjoying most, really, is the fact that um, if you're a returning player, the developers, you know, they've they've deliberately built this version of the game in such a way that there's, there are frequent kind of nods to the original and nods to nostalgia of the series, but they mix things up in such a clever way so that you are constantly surprised. You know, the moment that you are expecting a certain character to appear or the way that you're expecting them to appear will be completely different in this version. Um, so there's this really nice mix of kind of familiarity and... Uh, constant surprise and they've really really nailed the balance in so this they've one. done the same thing um as with resident evil remake where if you've played the original you you don't necessarily know where all the jump scares and all the twists are gonna be because they've they've swapped them around and put them in different places is, is that right they've done that again it's it's like that only much much more extreme. wow yeah okay so um you know like a, an example would be um the police station layout so that the building layout is mostly the same there are some significant differences um but there are a lot of and, and i don't want to spoil it but even the way that you move through the police station in some cases is very very different to the original game it, it turns everything on its head in a way that is much deeper than you know we've moved items and enemies around um, it's really a fundamental redesign from the ground up, which is really right. cool. Cool. Um, so I've been playing another two that is maybe the, the exact opposite of Resident Evil 2, mm -hmm. uh, which is Dragon Quest 2. And I, I did that within the span of about, of about two days. I played Dragon Quest 2 to completion. And I, I wanted to bring this because I brought Dragon Quest 1 last time. And yeah. now I've played two. And I think before the next episode, I'll probably play three. And I mm -hmm. I like those games, man. I, I It's just like finding a new series that you've never checked out before. It's fairly late. Um, it's, it's an exciting yeah. thing because there's so much of it that I, I can go check out now that I have not had access to at all before. Um, so Dragon Quest two, James. Um, this is the first JRPG on a console with a party. Um, it, it introduced the party concept to JRPGs. And you play as three mm -hmm. cousins, all of which are, are 
eventually descendants of the character you play as in Dragon Quest 1. And the way they, they just do the story, the way they, they uh, show that the world has evolved and how the characters are related to each other and how the the main antagonistic force of this game is, is uh casting its shadow all over all the the townsfolk and, and all the all the citizens of, of the world are it's it it's crazy that they were able to do this on an nes because every mm-hmm. other nes rpg I, i've played is either like incredibly obtuse or just nothing it, it it's it's either mm the just like having to know okay you got it you got it equipped the wand of babylon at this exact town or and if you <laughs> don't you won't be able to understand pigman who's going to speak to you in tongues like and and there's no there's no hints to this in the game it's just you got to do it you you should try everything so yeah um yeah or it's just it like it's just you walk to the end of the game uh, and I, it's just really impressive how they're able to do so much so early with with so little uh, in, inspiration. Like it, it, it occurs to me now. Yeah. I, I think I, I used the word impressive a lot last time when I was talking about the first Dragon Quest. But the, these fir- first few Dragon mm-hmm. Quests remind me a lot of of Mario sixty four in just how how uh, able. And, and competently they kind of just aced the idea on the first go around uh and obviously there's there's a yeah. lot to be desired in, in terms of like modern jrpg trappings um you know the, the writing could still be better that the scope could still be larger um like cl- characters don't really have classes yet I, dragon quest 3 is the game that introduced uh like classes and everything but it's so good, and um, the original Dragon Quest Two is actually known as a bad game, which I think is interesting because I played it on the the Android and iOS mobile port, not and iOS. I guess I just played the Android version. It'd be kind of weird if I played both. Um, <laughs> it 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 took all of the the minute numbers issues because like numbers issues were the, were the problem with the first game where or the original Dragon Quest 2, where you would just have mm. to grind for hours and hours and hours uh, right before the final boss because that's just how the game was. That's just how the the, the levels and, and uh, like strength numbers of enemies and stuff were, were set up. They fixed grinding in this one where it's just like... I don't think I had to stop my forward momentum in order to grind once not yeah i'm pretty sure never oh, wow. i never did it at all and this was previously known as just one of the most grindy games not only in the series but like maybe ever uh like just really really bad and it was mm. completely fine i would very much recommend if you're if anyone out there is uh interested in checking out dragon quest and they want to do it in a way that they can maybe finish it in a week and uh you know not have to worry about it too much uh, one and two for for the for the smartphone are just really easy um pretty pretty breezy games to to, to play and go through and uh mm. i i like that about them do you uh so how are you actually playing them so do you have like a physical controller attachment with buttons or are you just using the touch screen i'm just using the touch screen 
um, which I don't yep. love doing. I if I had a controller mm. attachment, I'm not sure if the app supports it, but if it does, you know that that obviously be better. Um, mm. They there's a there's like an on-screen D-pad and, and an on-screen like confirm button and menu button, and that's all you need. Oh, I yeah, see. the thing is because it's turn based, that's like fine. Um, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. If if it's if it's turn based like that, I I am much more forgiving of on screen D pads. If it's if it was like a like a Zelda type game or a Mario type game, not a chance. I I wouldn't I wouldn't at all consider yeah. that to be doable. But but for this, it, it's it's yeah. always there's not even diagonal movement. It's all just just walking around on a up down left right grid, and then picking menu options. So that's totally fine. Um, yeah, hmm. and it's also like five bucks, um, which is I I think that's what NES games were when they still sold NES games on the Virtual Console. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I I recommend it. I yeah I don't know. There's not much to say about Dragon Quest Two other other than just whether you like it or not. There's a cool little story about how yeah. um, like there's this dog that joins you halfway through the game or not halfway pretty early in the game, and then the the, dro- the dog turns out to actually be a party member later on, um, which is cool. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's it's cool that they're yeah, trying awesome. like they're already interested in making. The, the way characters join your party interesting um even though it's like the first time that's kind of ever been done in a the game they're they're still uh cognizant of the fact that this can be boring or cool and they they did it cool the first time um yeah yeah so polar opposite of of the simplicity of an early J- dragon quest rpg i'd probably describe as persona 5 uh which you've been playing which is inexplicable to me in in february of 2019 you're playing persona 5 (laughs) yeah Yeah, well i you know because i bounce between so many games all the time i i will often leave a game sitting there idle for a long period of time before i come back to it if it's a really good game, I will come back to it and I will finish it eventually. Yeah. Uh, and that's what's happening with Persona 5. Um, I think I, other than this current bout of playing it, which I kind of started just before I went uh, overseas before Christmas, um, I think I had maybe, a, I don't know, a five or six month month gap at least um, and I think last time I spoke about it on the show, I was at kind of the midway point in the game, uh, and all the characters were on vacation in Hawaii, and I was complaining about the fact that um, they were standing there having this really long, detailed <laughs> conversation yeah. about where or they should buy travel guides and whether or not they needed sunscreen. And, yeah. Like, it was really drilling into the details. um and at that point i just kind of turned it off i'm like no there's other stuff to play you know cbf uh but i went back to it i pushed through (laughs) and now i'm near the end so 
just to provide some context, like Persona 5 takes place over uh, over a one-year period in the game. So you are, you know, you're starting the game in January and you're really finishing the game in December. Um, and what that means is... Um, it means two things. One, it means that your your life in the game or your character's life is very, very controlled. Right. Um, you know, so there will often there'll be often times where you'll kind of get back home in the evening and you'll want to do something and um uh Morgana, what your little cat friend that's kind of always with you in your backpack will sort of harp at you and say, no, 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 you shouldn't be doing, you shouldn't be making coffee. You shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. You're tired. You should go to bed. You really should go to bed. Yeah, thanks, cat. And you you kind of have no other yeah. option. Yeah, yeah. It's like, thanks, cat, <laughs> mom, you know. <laughs> Come on, cat, mom. <laughs> um, yeah, cat, mom. Yeah, I, I, uh, <laughs> I played Persona 3. And when I played Persona 3, I yeah. that, that kind of came off as, pretty gamey like i know why it is the way it is but it also felt like hey man i remember being in high school and i remember being able to study and sometimes also do another thing you know like Mm. drinking hot chocolate shouldn't take away time away from studying (laughs) like that that that's not an either or situation i'm familiar (laughs) with um it's kind of kind of funny yeah and you can do some weird things like that they find they find these funny ways around it so for example one of the things that you will need to do fairly early in the game is you'll need to make coffee because coffee is one of the few items that restores your your sp gauge which is basically you know like your mana pool to perform special attacks or uh, persona attacks um and and you are always kind of perpetually short of that item in the game. Coffee is really the main way to to acquire it. Um, but you can't just make coffee at any time. You've got to wait until the cafe that you live in. You, you live in the, kind of the attic of this cafe. You have to wait until it's closed and there are no customers. So you can only make coffee at night. And <clears throat> if you make coffee at night exactly as you're saying like you can't do anything yeah. else so once you've made coffee the game will automatically make you go to sleep and you'll skip forward to the next day you get to a point where and this is kind of where the frustrations of the game end up becoming charming and you're kind of like oh i can't stay mad at you persona um you get to the point in the game where you discover that one of your teachers at school um, has like a side gig where she's a maid and there are there's it maybe it's just me but the way that this is revealed there's like some weird undertones and implications going on about what she's actually doing um but in any case you end up getting the option to call her and pay her an exorbitant amount of money to come over at night and do chores while you're doing something else so I can pay her to come and make coffee. <laughs> That's all she does. She just comes and makes a coffee while I go and do something else. It's ridiculous because if and she she's can all be embarrassed a maid about and a job, a teacher, <laughs> you can make coffee and <laughs> maybe do it like anything else. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, see, this is the thing. It's like she's only a maid at night and on the weekends. And 
she um she's terrified about the idea of anyone at school finding out about her side job and you're not to tell anyone and you've got this special arrangement wait i don't get it is, and, it, is it like a you know, risque totally, service or, or something it it's not explicitly a risque maid service, but there is some slight implication here and there that it okay. might be. Okay. And there's a lot of off-color jokes about things she might do, and you know she giggles, and you're like, "Yeah, whatever, make me some coffee." <laughs> cool. <laughs> you know, like I don't care. I just need coffee. I'm going to a dungeon tomorrow. Yeah, know? typical kid um, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So. You, I guess, like, you have these moments of tedium that you have to push through. And it is worth pushing through. Like, it is a really spectacular game. Um, but I am, I'm not, like, I won't lie, I am looking forward to having it over and done with. Because I've put in, uh, like, I, there's a little counter when you save <clears throat> that tells you how many hours you've been playing for. And I've put in, I think, 57 or 58 hours since the game came out, it, which is big, but not crazy. Like, you know, it's it's not totally ridiculous, yeah. but because I've been playing it on and off, it feels like I've been playing it forever. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I, I just, um, I don't want to leave it sit there and leave it kind of partly finished. I'm now determined to finish it. How do you feel about, about your buds through. in that game? Are they good buds? Are you better friends with them now because you've spent more time with the game? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and there's a lot of stuff that you... There are a lot of things in the game that you probably just won't see on one playthrough. Um, because of that way that your time is partitioned and the fact that you can't do multiple activities at the same time, <clears throat> all of your kind of social decisions are about trade-offs every day. Right. Um, and so, you know, the question becomes, well, am I going to play really strategically and build up friendships with certain key people who will strengthen me in combat for example you know who will have an effect on my on my combat or you know am i interested in this character um for story reasons and i kind of want to explore that side of things um so there's there's an element there's kind of a layer of strategy to that and and the stories definitely develop to the point where um if you develop some stories enough it it actually opens new areas of tokyo to visit that would not otherwise be accessible at all. So I think that for a lot of people, like if you're a really hardcore player, you actually will probably want to play through multiple times to see everything. Hmm. Um, I could not relive all those conversations again. <laughs> Once is enough. Um, but like there's plenty of replayability there if you, you know, if you're really into it. Um Persona is, is so so cool to me because is a game series that is very uniquely positioned to um, ri- rival the way I feel about maybe a very long-running TV show that I've kept up the whole time with, or the Harry Potter series is big, mm. where where um, you, you feel like you've seen the origin of, of this character's friendship with another character, 
but you also feel like they've just been doing so many things. I've been with them the whole time, and uh, like like that that friendship feels very real. Whereas in most games, you know, they're 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 fast enough that by the time you finish them, it's it. I I don't know how how real those friendships feel, just because you as a player haven't been given so much time to see it happen like that, you know. Um, yeah. Whereas Persona, it, it just yeah. feels like an actual, like the actual way you make friends, just the uh, slowly and over time, and, and naturally. Yeah. And the writing is, I think I actually have some qualms with the English localization of, of Persona Five. From what I see, it looks pretty obtuse in terms of the writing. Yeah. Um, but if it wasn't, that definitely. <laughs> if it if it was better, that would be good. <laughs> Signed, Mitchell Wolf. Um, this morning, there was a, a national tournament, or a, a continental tournament, rather, for Super Smash Brothers, and it was an online tournament, and I played in it, and James, I gotta tell you, this is the dumbest tournament I've ever played. It was so dumb. Uh, they, so, so, first of all, they have you... Uh, sign into this this third party website called Battlefy. Have you heard of Battlefy? No, no. Um, I I wonder if why it has. I wonder if it's well known. Um, but it's this mm-hmm. tournament organizing web website where where you sign in and then it'll tell you when your match is, and you just put in a uh, a room with some, with the person you're supposed to fight, and they give you ahead of time to say okay. You got to read this player's guide, and it's like forty-two slides of a of a slideshow. Uh, each one is gonna tell you a little bit about like the rules of the tournament, and you just gotta know ever all of them. And they say this stuff like, oh, make sure you make your rule set in advance, so you can just pick the rules really easily. And make sure you read on the the match page if yeah. you're starting the room or if you're gonna join the room that the other person starts. And I, before the tournament, I was like, oh, man, what? There's so much to, to know. And then you have to check in an hour ahead of time and, and everything. And it, it was very clear that the we- the website tournament organization thing had to do so much extra work because the game itself has nothing for this. The game itself doesn't really have any kind of uh, built-in clientele for something like this at all. So I... I it started at 11. I had checked in an hour earlier, so I was already good to go. Um, and then I get to my match page where it sets me up with this guy named Kurt. And I said, hi, Kurt. It looks like you're starting the room. And then I wait 10 minutes, real time. <laughs> and then Kurt sends another message that says the word yes. And that's it. So I go, okay, please give me the code to the room. And he says, okay. And then he didn't, he sent okay after I said that, but then he waited another five minutes in order to do it. So it's already 11.15. Uh, <laughs> and then I, he says, okay, it's this. Here's the ID. And I type in the ID he gave me, and it did not show up. So I messaged him back, and I said, Kurt, this is, uh, the ID didn't work. Are you sure you set your room Ooh. to public? Or are you sure that you typed the ID correctly? <laughs> And then it was another 10 minutes, so around 11.25 is where we are right now. And then oh. Kurt messaged me back and said, um, oh, I did not set it to public. And then that was it. That's all he said. So I go, okay, please do that. 
<laughs> and then he goes, okay, I've done it now. And then I typed it in again, and I go, Kurt, it still didn't work. And Kurt said, well, yeah, I mean, like, I had to uh, restart the room, so the ID probably changed. Without, offer- without in that message, <laughs> offering the new ID. So I go, okay, I would need the new ID, please. Thank you. <laughs> and he goes, oh, okay. Oh, my God. Here you go. It's around 11.30, a half hour after the tournament was supposed to start. I finally got in the room with Kurt. Um, and uh, so, the, so the rules are, of this tournament are so dumb. It's a timed match, which is already, like, weird. <laughs> you should do stock matches, like, all the time. I, I don't even understand why you would ever do timed in a tournament setting. And it's a time match for seven minutes. So, like, for seven minutes, you just have to keep, like, trading stocks. Uh, and, and you just gotta, like, exist for seven whole minutes. Uh, and at the end of the game, I had killed Kurt six times, and he had killed me seven times. So Kurt won. Um, oh. And I was immediately knocked out of this single elimination, best of one tournament structure um, at around 11.45. <laughs> so it, it took me a full 45 minutes to play <laughs> one game and then immediately get kicked out of the entire tournament. Um, not to mention the fact that items are turned on, so randomness is like way high. Um, there are a, a, a small list of stages that are legal. There's only 12 legal stages for this tournament. But those 12 stages are like... I mean, some of them are fine. Like, there's Final Destination in Battlefield and, like, Smashville, the, the normal ones you would do at a tournament. But then some of them are not. Like, there's Paper Mario, which is, like... what? Why? Why? Why is that stage there? Like, the whole thing, James... The whole thing, it, it, it looked like it was set up by, like, just a 12-year-old who's like, I have a certain way I like to play with my friends. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wild. Uh, wow. That sounds like a soul-destroying experience. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it's not even like I got to move up in the bracket at all. I just... <laughs> I yeah. just, like, continued existing... Um, because there there were so many people <laughs> registering because it was like the first ultimate tournament Nintendo ever did and and you could do it online and register for free and all that. Mm. Uh so many people registered, but I um what w- was put into they had four like divisions of it, Link, Ganondorf, Sheik and Zelda. I was put in the the, the Zelda division for um seemingly random reasons. And they the first the first match they gave me a buy. And apparently they gave two-thirds of the entrance a buy on the first round. Uh, because they they somehow ran into a, a tournament structure that necessitated that. As a person who sometimes does math a little bit, that is not possible uh, for, for two-thirds of a, of a tournament <laughs> to get a buy. That doesn't make any sense. But, all right, sure. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and then my second round was against Kurt, and then I immediately got knocked out. So that's cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> how how are you feeling about Smash Bros? Are you still playing at all? I haven't really played it uh, at all since I got home from Japan a couple of weeks ago. Um, but it is a game that I 
Like it's one of those games. I, I think it's going to be a bit like Splatoon Two right, for yeah. me, where um, you know I'll, I'll kind of just quickly jump in and out of it in between other things. Yeah, I I uh, I, I agree. It, it seems like that to me as well. Um, I've I've been playing it pretty much every week, at, at least a couple days. Um, just, I just I just like to to spend my a little bit of free time on on quick play and and. Uh, Mm. Yeah, the the internet connection for me has actually been getting better and better. So the the games just aren't that laggy anymore, and I'm very rarely being put into situations where the the rule okay. set is not matching up with what I told the game I want, uh, which is nice. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I'm just trying to be, and I, I I feel like my expectations pretty realistic here. I'm just trying to be the the best ultimate player in the world. So uh, you know, uh, I know Kurt's better than me. But uh, outside of that, <laughs> I, you know what? I don't even th- I don't even know if he is for sure because like in the first three minutes of the game, which is about as long as a regular game would have gone, I was way in the lead, and then just it, it it didn't work out for me. So so I'm not even ready to say Kurt's better than me. I may be the best character. I may be the best player in the world. Who knows? <laughs> I've not played Zero. It's it's an impossible yeah, thing to tell. Yeah, I mean tell. it sounds it sounds pretty unfair, Mitchell. You know, like it was just an unfair match. Let's it was it an unfair way. match. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, I you know, I'm going to go as far to say as the fact that Kurt be, beat me in this rule set means that I'm better than him. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows how that math works? <laughs> but uh I'm just going to well, go Well, you say, have you have the moral high ground. So that's I do have matters. the moral high ground. I I I knew what the rules were ahead of time. Oh, he also asked me, so do you know yeah. the rules? Uh do you know the rule set after, you know, everyone had been given this this PowerPoint to to study and in my head I'm thinking like, did you not study the PowerPoint? Uh <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <fun>. yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and then also Piranha Plant came out. Did you play with Piranha Plant at all? Uh yes. Uh James, you cut out a little bit. What was that? Oh, I was just saying oh yes, yeah, so I haven't I I um registered for Piranha Plant. I actually only just got the email um i think i got the email like a day or two ago so i haven't redeemed him yet um but i'm definitely keen to check him out like are you what's your thinking now that you've actually tried using him versus like you know what your impression was when he was first announced because i i gather that he was a bit of a controversial character announcement initially I mean, I mean, the whole thing with Piranha Plant is that he's a joke. Like, it's just it's for for comedy. And when when you, <laughs> I mean, not that's not mean. That's just what he is. Uh, and when when you when you mm, play as mm. the 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 plant, it feels funny, which I guess means mission accomplished. Um, I think at the time I w- I was just so caught up like when we found out that the piranha plant was going to be in the game that was the same time as when we found out the grinch leak that everyone would have like really liked what wasn't real so that was just like oh man we're getting yeah. incineroar and piranha plant <laughs> instead of these characters that we've been asking for forever like isaac and uh banjo kazooie that's crazy why are we getting piranha yeah. plant 
but now now that we're removed from that, I think it's just like a fun um a fun thing. The the base roster for like just the new characters in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate kind of didn't have a character like that yet. It didn't have a Game and Watch or like a Rob or a Duck Hunt dog. Uh and now it does. Now it has Piranha Plant. So I, I think it fills a role pretty nicely. And the characters is fun to play as too. Uh I don't think I'm gonna be playing as them like regularly or anything but that they seem like a pretty fun uh one to just dive into from time to time um something i don't like about it is its grab range is low and i like to to grab a lot with with my characters so i don't think i'll be using it too much it doesn't fit my playstyle super well but it's still a, a a cool addition yeah and i'm Speaking of Persona Five, I'm I'm just I'm just excited to see how all of these DLC characters come in the game and and maybe change the meta in their own little ways. Uh, I I from my understanding, yeah. it I don't think too many like top level tournament players are going to be using Piranha Plant. Um, uh, it, it seems like mid mid tier so far. Um, it may mm-hmm. get patched later to be better or worse, but yeah, I, I don't think it'll really affect the meta yeah. too much. Uh, last game in Playtime Report. We're going a little long for Playtime Report. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 3. James, uh, I haven't played a single Kingdom Hearts game before <laughs> Kingdom Hearts 3. I know there is one, uh, and then two, or actually not then two. I know there's Chain of Memories, and I, I know there's 358 over two days, which is a great name for a video game. Uh, Birth by mm, Sleep, yeah. Dream Drop Distance. I know these names. <laughs> I'm up to date. I've never played any of them for a second, but I, I know that they exist. Uh, and yeah, and I, yeah. I, I've uh, very rarely in my life have I owned a PlayStation console. <laughs> that That's like my weird thing that makes me unable to actually report on games a lot of the time. Uh, but Kingdom Hearts 3 came out for Xbox One, and I have that. So I thought, you know what? I really want in on this whole Kingdom Hearts business. I like Disney. I like uh, <laughs> just obtuse anime. Let's do it. And uh, man, playing Kingdom Hearts 3 as your first Kingdom Hearts game is an absolute trip. It is wild. It, it's, <laughs> it's wow. Just, just wow, man. It's, it's crazy. Uh, <laughs> this game i i I, th- yeah. I timed it out um i timed out like the first four hours and it definitely got better after the first four hours but the first four hours were uh s- around 75 percent cutscenes and 25 percent gameplay um and and i i think that doesn't get talked about so much with kingdom hearts because I, there's so many other things to talk about but i was i was struck that yeah. it was a whole movie it was more than a whole movie in the first four hours and everyone else <laughs> online that's talking about it is just like yeah i'm excited to see how this ends you're not like apprehensive about watching a 10-hour movie by the time you finish this game that's that's wild to me that's insane and the game itself is just insane like yeah. it's the first level I, I I don't want to. I guess this is probably spoiler sensitive a spoiler sensitive area for for our listeners. I'm not going to talk about anything beyond the first de- level in, in in like detail. But the first de- level is um like the Hercules level, and that's shown up in previous Kingdom Hearts games. And in the Hercules level, mm-hmm. uh, 
you're already having like dialogues between Donald Duck and Hercules like about nobodies and heartless and like the how a heartless is created and how a nobody's created and you're panning over to Mickey and Riku just talk about like how they're wearing the same plaid jacket they don't talk about it but i noticed it and i kind of was thinking about it over them talking about whatever they were talking about they just had the mm-hmm. same plaid jacket they seemed like really good friends mickey mouse and riku uh and i liked that about them <laughs> there's there, this is mm-hmm. it's just an it's fairly un like impenetrable you, i don't i don't know man i'm i'm actually really enjoying it i i think a lot of people are apprehensive about starting kingdom hearts 3 when they haven't played the other games in the series i would recommend you just do it i would recommend you jump into it because um there are some things that you just won't get no matter what but it's kind of fun it's it's just fun guessing what people are talking about (laughs) and uh i mean if, if you've seen the disney movies I feel like that is actually more important for you to have seen than it is to have played previous Kingdom Hearts games. So you're you're already pretty much there. Like you're you're pretty close to knowing what you need to know. Yeah. Uh, how's your connection with the series, yeah. James? Have you played the other games? Um, I played, and I'm really <clears throat> I'm really gonna struggle to remember exactly what the circumstances were because i have played kingdom hearts before um and i don't know whether it was the first or the second game that i played it might have been the first but it was sort of a bit of an unusual situation i think because i never owned it i i must have borrowed it from someone or rented it or something like that um I think it was the original I played, but it's so long ago, I can't remember it very well. Um, I just remember that I I definitely enjoyed it, um, and I agree with what you're saying about... Um, it's, it's sort of... I, I found it more valuable to have sort of that touchstone with the actual Disney films rather than being so worried about the Kingdom Hearts story yeah, itself. Yeah. Um, because even in the original, I mean, I, I don't remember the story at all now, but I remember just sort of really not being very interested. I just wanted to get to the next gameplay section. Um, and, and that would be the same for me now if, if I were playing Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, but one thing that I've definitely noticed is just by looking at some of the trailers and stuff, I think there are a couple of major levels in the game that take place in disney worlds that i where i haven't actually seen the movie like some of the newer ones i think one of them is um right yeah um and i mean i i haven't seen that i haven't seen a lot of the newer kind of disney movies um so in terms of like whether or not i would get into the game I'm, i'm kind of interested and curious to play kingdom hearts 3 but I'm not at all worried about going in not knowing the story, um, but I definitely feel like some of the actual, you know, Disney World stuff would be a bit lost on me at the moment. So um, for me, that's kind of a, a bit of a reason to stay away for now. Um, it, it might be a game that I'll, yeah, you know, um, that might be an impulse buy later on. Yeah, there, there's a there's a Frozen level later, and I, again, I'm not trying to not to do 
uh, too many details, but the way that it, it basically mm. some some Disney worlds take like the characters and setting and, and tell a story with Sora in it, like outside of the main plot of the movie, like maybe like later or before or something. While some Disney worlds just recount the entire plot of the movie with Sora in it this time. And uh, Frozen yeah. is the Frozen one is the latter where it recounts the, the plot of the movie. And I'm, I'm, I was, as I was playing it, I had seen Frozen, so I knew what the, the story was, but I was wondering, like, they're going pretty fast and loose over some, some of the more minor plot details. I don't know 100% if I would have followed what's going on if not for having seen the movie previously. Uh, yeah. While, while yeah. some of the games, well, while some of the worlds, I, I think you're, you're totally fine uh like if for some if somehow yeah. you haven't seen toy story the toy story one is like fantastic no matter what mm. i feel um because oh, it, it yeah. tells a story that's not like part <laughs> of the, the the um the the movie plots and it just it it just works it it just works really well um man dude like i i thought i would be just trying to get to the next gameplay section um like like what you were saying but at this point in the series they're so far up inside their own butts that like i i love it i love the cutscenes. <laughs> i love uh mickey talking to riku about trying to save aqua from organization 13 like it's so crazy and so it's so like close to the end of this thing that i wasn't around for the beginning of that it's just like I have to, I have to yeah. listen to what Mickey Mouse is saying about darkness and and all that. I I have to be there for him. Uh, it's it, it it's it's pretty wild. Um, <laughs> there's one I I've actually seen. I'm pretty sure I've seen all the movies that Kingdom Hearts three, uh, their their worlds reference, with the exception of Big Hero six. Didn't see that. Um, that's one of the worlds. And I'm planning on stopping playing Kingdom Hearts 3 before I get there. And then I'm just going to go see Big Hero 6 somehow. Because um, I feel like that is important oh, enough yeah. to do. Oh, yeah. That's a great movie, too. So you've seen that one? You've seen that one in Not Tangled? I've, I've seen... Yeah, I, I actually think I saw um, Big Hero 6 like at the movies. I went to the movies to see it. That's that's pretty crazy, James. That that was your one that you picked? <laughs> That was my one, and I think it, I don't know if it was, <laughs> I don't know if it was because I really liked the trailer or like someone recommended it to me. But yeah, that one I was really interested in, and that one's a bit of a, um, well, I mean, all these Disney movies are all sort of quite different and have their own personality. But Big Hero Six is sort of really, really unique. It it feels quite different to a lot of other Disney movies. I think there's there's an aspect of like. This is this is not a spoiler of the Toy Story world, where in the movie Toy Story, Andy has a an oversized Mickey Mouse watch hanging on his wall, and in the game, yeah. they don't comment on it, but it's but it is there, and I it it just like I was obsessed with that concept for like a little bit because Donald and Goofy know Mickey. And then he's just, they're just seeing like a, a watch with a cartoon version of their friend hanging on some kid's wall in a huh. different, like, alien world. 
and then they don't even comment on it. That's just like, no, that's fine. And, and, and uh, you know, with Kingdom Hearts, I think you have to pick your battles. You're not going to understand most of it. So, like, if your friend is... Yeah. Like, a picture of your friend is in a watch hanging on an alien kid's wall, you're just going to have to be cool with it. Uh, you can't get too upset about everything. Yeah. <laughs> To preserve your sanity, you just have to be cool with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so that was it. That was an oversized, jam-packed playtime report. We're going to move on to the newsy nibble. <laughs> it seems like it's a running joke now. Every single time we start a podcast, I say, you know, I don't think this is going to be a long one. And then we we spend like fifty five minutes on the <laughs> on the first segment of our show. Um, I actually don't think the newsy nibble will last very long, and in order to make sure that that is going to be true, I'm going to put a strict five-minute uh, limit on each of the three news items we have. Um, so first, Metroid Prime Four was apparently so bad that they canceled it and then started over at a different studio. Um, the way we found out about this is Shinya Takahashi, uh, one of like the senior project managers at Nintendo, came out on on video on Nintendo UK's channel, which is, I mean, why? But sure, uh, just to let everyone know, uh, there was no beating around the bush at all that the original game that was Metroid Prime Four was canceled because it it wasn't good. Like they they just said outright, we didn't like it. So we we didn't do it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they they uh they didn't say who yep. the original student studio was, but they moved development to Retro Studios, the original developers of the first three Metroid Prime games. How do you mm-hmm. feel about this? Uh oh, very positive. <laughs> I mean. You know, I forget what that quote is, but there's there's a quote about uh, I think it was a Miyamoto quote about you know something about that that the memory of a bad game, like a bad game experience, will will last forever. It'll last a lot longer than you know the anticipation around a delayed game. Yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, there are a lot of fans of Metroid. A lot of people are eagerly awaiting this game. I think if it were to come out and be really disappointing. That would hurt the franchise. It would hurt Nintendo. Nintendo just don't need that. I mean, they're better to make that decision if it feels like it's not going in the right direction. Yep, pull the plug, start again. You know, do what you need to do. Um, I'd rather you don't release it than release something that's poor quality. Counterpoint. Here's a counterpoint. Uh, They released Mm -hmm. Star Fox Zero. They released Paper Mario Sticker Star. They often release extremely bad, either rushed or just poorly conceived um, installments of otherwise beloved franchises of theirs, and it, it's like it's like water under the duck. It's it's totally fine. Um, why this time? Why was it so important that this time they don't do that? Um, oh, look, I, I see what you're saying, but I think we're kind of talking about, we're probably talking about two very different oh, okay. things because, you know, like even in the Star Fox case, um, you know, that game was, was pretty roundly criticized and it was a bit awkward and it was definitely a, uh, an experiment on Nintendo's part that kind of didn't work. 
Um, I mean, there's even games like Wii right, Music, yeah. you know, that they, they, I think they delivered on their vision um, and they weren't bad quality in the sense that, you know, depends how you define quality. Like they weren't broken. Okay, so you're, so you're, you're saying uh, they more weren't sort of fundamentally broken. The goal can be bad, but is, they need to reach that goal. Is that what you're saying? I think, and, and look, we'll probably never know what state this game was in, but the fact that they've just killed it uh, makes me think that there were some problems that were really, really fundamental, yeah. like so fundamental that it wasn't a situation where they could just come in and kind of manage it from the outside, which they've well, done clearly before. it was so bad that they couldn't um, even it, take over at a different studio. It needed to be completely scrapped. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I mean, Nintendo, you're right that like this announcement, um, and the way they did this announcement, as far as I know, is unprecedented, uh, at least in terms of Nintendo. Um, but what they're doing here with Metroid Prime 4 is, is definitely nothing new. Um, and, and usually we just find out years later that, um, there are a ton of fairly big games that even Nintendo internally uh, in Kyoto were working on over the years that they cancelled, sometimes never to be seen again, sometimes to be developed in a into something quite different. Um, you know, but there are a lot of big games that they just completely, you know, decided to, to kill, including games that were actually, like, you know, well over 50% complete, sometimes almost finished, and they still pulled the plug. It's just that we usually hear about it much, much later. Right, down yeah, the track. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I guess I'm, I'm so used to companies um, on, on the Western side of the world, like EA and Activision, mm. especially recently. Their, their approaches to PR are the opposite of what this was. They look at they look at a problem that they have in their own internal studio and they basically say, um, yeah, I think it's good we have a problem. I'll keep it to myself. <laughs> like, like it, it just seems like the complete opposite of what people <laughs> want uh, and what, what, what people get. And the response to this Nintendo Prime 4 video was really positive. I saw a bunch of people in the comments, like there were some people that were like, ah, you know, I wish we had that game. But for the most part, they were all like, "I'm glad this happened. I'm this is great. I'm I'm glad that we were told, and this is a responsible yep. way to tell people thank you," which is an incredibly mature reaction from yep. the internet. The internet is usually not very behaved. Uh, but you know, if if you put your, <laughs> I feel like if if you if you put your all all, all of your your uh, eggs in in this basket of of trying to be honest and be forward and be ahead of the news with this kind of thing, you will look mm. good for it. And they do. They, they look good for it. Uh, the original developer of the game was never confirmed, but there's reason to believe that it was Bandai Namco Singapore, uh, which was an, a brand new studio that Bandai Namco recently started. Um, and now their first project has been canceled. I hope that doesn't mean that their studio is going under because I could see that happening. Um, but it looks like in general, mm -hmm. they just weren't good for, for the game. So that's unfortunate. Um, 
Right. So a Metroid game, I, I looked this up earlier uh, when I was putting together the, the show document, James. A Metroid game has never sold more than 3 million copies. I believe the highest selling Metroid game was like 2.7 mm-hmm. million, which is a lot compared to like another game that doesn't get that much notoriety. But Nintendo has much bigger hitters, Splatoon and Animal Crossing and Mario and Pokemon and Zelda and all of the Mario spinoffs regularly do much more than that um and even if this metroid game becomes the best-selling metroid game of all time and like it it blows people's minds i can't expect it to do much more than that so is it do you think it would it's wise to put so many i'm using this this term twice in the same podcast and differently both times to put so (laughs) many eggs in this basket of of metroid prime 4 um, and, and and to spend so much, uh, so, so so much money on a game that might not just bring in that revenue. Because it, well, it, it's basically having two I mean, development cycles. Yeah, and look, it's really hard to say because, uh, as I said earlier, we know that. We know that Nintendo generally isn't too worried about the idea of sunk cost, um, you know, and, and I think that probably makes them a bit different to to some publishers like EA, for example, um, in the sense that, you know, I'm sure they're thinking about will this game sell, what might it sell, how much money are we spending versus what might we, what revenue might we make? You know, I'm sure that consideration is important, but... Um, you know, I think their overriding motivation is there's a motivation that's even more important than making a good game. And that is do not damage an established franchise, you know, don't damage our brand. It's like they will do anything to make sure their brand isn't damaged, even if it means they are, you know, they've sunk tens of millions of dollars into a project that they're canceling. Um, I mean, I, I was just, when I was thinking about this, this news article, uh, and, and there are so many examples, but I was thinking about, um, a big game that came to mind for me was Earthbound 64, yeah. which I believe, you know, that was, I think that was well over 50% complete. That, di- that is almost the same situation. It. Yeah. And yeah. And it's like. You know, there would be massive sunk cost in that project, especially given the period in history when they were developing it. Like, it would have been so expensive to make this big 3D RPG when 3D games were still relatively new. Um, and, and I think at the end, you know, it was less about making a great game and more about, okay, this just isn't working you know we're we're not gonna uh, we're not gonna pursue it anymore. It, it's not worth it. Uh, it it's gonna damage our brand too much. Right. I mean that game did come out though uh, with essentially the same story as it was originally supposed to have, just on a Game Boy Advance instead. Uh, well, yeah. yeah, but I mean they, yeah, that's right. Yeah, but they they started development completely from scratch on a different it's, platform. That's true. That's true. Um, um, 
So, yeah, that's one of those things where I, I don't know what I would have done. I think if I was in charge of Nintendo and I was in charge of making this decision, I I don't know, man. Like, the, the I wouldn't, I just wouldn't see those dollar bills. I would have tried to say, like, I don't know if we're still doing Prime 4, but we'll, we'll ask Retro to do a different thing. Uh, and, and maybe, it, maybe that is what is happening, and it's all about the branding of still calling it Prime 4. Just whatever whatever Metroid game is currently in development, just call it Prime 4 in order to appease people. Maybe that's what's happening, actually. Now that I say that, I bet that is what's happening. I bet it's a completely different game. I don't think it'll be like Earthbound 64 where like the story comes back or anything. It, I, it's... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's probably true. And I mean, and there's so many unknowns as well. Like, the fact that this was... Um... The fact that this was being developed outside Nintendo, um, you know, it it it's probably the case that Nintendo, from their point of view, they may have been struggling for months working with Bandai Namco on this and trying to intervene and, and correct course. And it may have reached a point where they just said, look, this isn't working. We just need to stop, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, so it's, it's fascinating because you... You know, I wish I could be a fly on a wall and have kind of had visibility of all of those For things. For sure. Um, I hope that the 8th generation of Pokemon actually comes out this year and they don't release another video soon explaining why that didn't happen. Um, but we are so past <laughs> that five-minute thing I established. Um, that was wishful thinking. That was never going to happen. Uh, second news item. We'll keep trying. Uh, so speaking of sales on Nintendo games... Super Smash Bros. Ultimate made 12 million units. Sold 12 million units. I wrote dollars on the document. That's incorrect. I, it sold 12 million units between December 7th and December 31st. 24 days. 12 million. Mm -hmm. It is the fastest selling console exclusive game of all time. On any console in any year ever. In, in any like if it, if it's exclusive only to one console this is this sold faster than it wild crazy mm. those numbers are unseen <laughs> you yeah yep wow like we were talking about how how crazy it was when the switch first came out and breath of the wild had a more than 100 percent attach rating <laughs> yeah that's yeah. right so yeah. this is this is obviously not more than 100 percent attach rating because there's been a lot more switches sold since then but this is still pretty like this is maybe crazier 12 million units in 24 <laughs> days is a million units every two days uh yeah and and i i i just never expected king k rule to be able because he's like i don't know it seems like he's the the character in super smash brothers ultimate they got the most excitement around him and he is now in charge yeah. of selling 12 million units in less than a month <laughs> uh, so that number came from a, a stockholders meeting with nintendo uh they also put out a, a few other numbers so how many switches in total have been sold so far around 33 million which is a little below their expectation, mm -hmm. actually. They expected to, to mm -hmm. sell uh, 20 million units in their fiscal year, which is, uh, it, it starts and ends on in March. 
Um, mm. So that's coming up soon. They're not going to make it. They've changed their expectation from 20 to 17 million units. Pretty close. They, they yeah. Pretty close, um, yeah. It, which is yep. especially uh, in, impressive considering that before the holiday season, people were like, I don't know if they're going to do it. They've only sold 5 million units since March, like in uh, in, in October. And now it, it's almost mm-hmm. it, it's almost to where they said just three million units shy, which uh, three out of twenty is a pretty small margin. Pretty good, I, I think, uh, especially considering just how successful the software was. The attach rates on these yeah. games are enormously high, and Pokemon uh, for a remake and for a game that is not good, I'll say. Uh, I know that's still controversial, <laughs> but I'm I'm a I'm a brave boy. I'll say it. Uh, for a game that isn't good, that's a pretty high. That's a pretty good success. It's a that's up there. Um, they did 10 million units between the two um, Pikachu and Eevee versions combined was was around 10 million. Mm. Um, so yeah, a, a few comparisons. Uh, <laughs> 15 million units is how many copies of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe have been sold so far, and that's the number one selling Switch game. 15 million. Uh, Around 13 million is Mario Odyssey. These were both over a year ago. And in in the case of Mario Kart, almost two years ago. Smash Brothers Ultimate has in one month become the third best selling Switch game. And it's at 12 million, 3 million away from the number one spot. I bet it'll get there within this month. If they sold 12 million last month, I think it's very reasonable to expect 3 million this month. Uh, They will, it will become the best selling switch game within two months. Uh, It very, just very impressive. What do you think it is about smash this time around that caused that to happen? Because smash on the Wii U was not the best-selling Wii U game. It wasn't. It was like maybe in the top five. It was maybe number five or yeah. four. What what happened? What yeah. what changed? Oh look, I don't know. I mean, it probably it's probably a combination of things. Like <clears throat> the Switch itself is doing yeah. so well, um, and I think I, I'm not sure if it's past it yet, but it's if if not, it's very close to passing lifetime sales of nintendo 64 um so it's it's very very quickly reaching the point where i think in its overall lifespan it it could be it's likely to be i think probably the second highest selling nintendo console ever behind the wii it might overtake the wii who knows do you on Um, do you have so uh, what what did the nintendo 64 sell Oh, I don't have the numbers on hand, no. Do you think it was around um, 30 million? I know that... Like where the Switch is about right now? I think it wasn't far off. Um, it, it was not nearly as high as you might think. Um, and, and it was a lot lower than the Super Nintendo. Um, it was... I think N64 was really Nintendo's first console... First home console that really sort of you know it it didn't really come close to nes or super nes in terms of sales uh and they struggled a little bit from then on with with oh wow it it already has sold more the switch has oh it has now now sold more than the n64 
or if, if not like yeah. it's yep. really close like within a, a margin of a few yeah. thousand yeah exactly um so i mean that you know that that's obviously a big part of it and in in their most recent i think it was their most recent financial reporting uh furukawa the the company's president said that um and, and I suppose this is an obvious thing to say, but it's it's interesting nonetheless. He was talking about the sales of kind of like their top 10 Switch yeah. games. And he, he pointed out the fact that, you know, these games that came out in like 2017, early 2018, you know, they see their highest sales initially and then they kind of drop over a few months and then they spike massively again around the holiday season in 2018. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of these games are still selling, like, um, you know, they're, they're new to a lot of people. Yeah, I, I guess it depends um, on what game it is, right? Um, I, I feel like every game that comes out for the Switch right now is being heralded as just, like, the best thing of all time, even if it's not, mm-hmm. even if it, it's like, okay, calm down a little bit. Um, but we, we, the, the test on that is whether it has a spike in the holidays or not, because uh, I don't think Kirby did. Kirby didn't. Uh, Mario yeah, Tennis yeah. did not. Yep. But Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild have twice already. And I imagine Smash yep, is going to be absolutely. the same way. I imagine Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu yep. and Eevee isn't. Um, so so that that'll yeah. be that'll be interesting to keep up with. Like what what games become big holiday sellers? Um, again, 2018 yeah. was supposed to be an off year. The biggest hitters were Mario Tennis, Pokemon, uh, Smash, and Mario Party. So really just four things from from Nintendo themselves. And all four of those are not developed um, by Nintendo internally. Uh, Tennis is Camelot, Pokemon is Game Freak, Smash is uh, uh, Namco, Bandai, Bandai Namco, and Mario Party is, um, I think it's called N-Cube or or something. Yeah. Mm. Uh, N cubes the second party, I think. Yeah, they, they might N-D-Cube, own them. I, yeah. I don't know what their situation is. To, um, yeah, I believe they're a second party. If they studio. can have this level of success with games that they didn't even make themselves, and usually it's just those Nintendo EAD games that sell the most with with Pokemon in there as well. Um, I think I think they're in a really great place. It, it, it's interesting because this success is not just like the Wii again. Because the Wii, I think, if, if you take mm. away the demographics that don't stay, if you, don't, if you take away the, 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 the unvaluable demographics to Nintendo that don't continue to buy Nintendo games regularly, I don't know how well the Wii really did. People talk about it as this huge success and it sold over 100 million copies or units, which is true. And I, I don't think you can ever take that away from the Wii. But if it, I, I don't think like a lot of the, the elderly people that were buying Wii Sports or the, the, the little kids that wanted like Brain Age and I guess little kids didn't want Brain Age, but whoever wanted Brain Age, um, mm-hmm. like they didn't continue buying a lot of like new games for those consoles. But I think the people, the kind of person that would play Zelda and Mario and Smash absolutely do. Uh, they they do get new games. Yeah. They that they do play their games consoles in that way. So this is I think it's honestly you could say this is maybe the most successful Nintendo console uh, in, in in terms of like what it gives Nintendo and what Nintendo now has to work with in terms of resources. 
ever. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think that's probably true in a lot of ways. And I mean, I I would be really interesting to see what their own research internally shows. But just anecdotally, like completely unscientifically, when I think about friends and colleagues and that sort of thing who who bought Switch consoles, um, a lot of them. A lot of them, probably the majority of them, were already PS4 owners. Um, I can think of several of them who never owned a Nintendo console before. They were definitely gamers, like they would play PlayStation a lot, never would touch a Nintendo console. But they became, they started to get kind of excited about Switch. And a lot of them now have like a PS4 yeah. and a Switch. It's kind of become like a like a second console for a lot of people. Um, and I think just, you know, the, the fact that it's like a hybrid console, it's got that portability aspect probably makes a big, big difference. True, yeah. I mean, that is that is the motion control of, of now. That is the, the, the new mm. thing Nintendo's working with that they're really excited about. And it's worth being excited about because it, it does seem to have brought in a lot of people. I know people that say, like, I've never docked my Switch. I only play it portably. And I'm Absolutely. almost the opposite. I, I yep. almost only play it docked. Um, yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, it, yeah, yeah. Um, like, they're, they're kind of... They, they've tried some Blue Ocean things for the Switch. 1-2 Switch comes to mind. That was a launch game. That sold over 2 million units, which is mm -hmm. good, but it, uh, it, it petered off really quick. That was almost all at launch, and that has not grown um, pretty much at all the number of sales on on one two switch um both because i think the demographics change and also it's just known that that game wasn't very liked um yeah and i kind of there's a part of me that's kind of happy with the fact that even though like there's a there's a ton of really brilliant brilliant indie games on switch that have done really really well in terms of sales and revenue um i'm really kind of happy with the fact that the biggest selling games on switch are these traditional franchises that are triple a productions that nintendo have have clearly poured massive resources yeah. into like labo um, didn't show up anywhere you know in, so in their top however many games for switch labo it looks like it didn't yeah. do that great and yeah and it, it's like you know, if you had these brilliant, like, on the one hand, if you had something like Breath of the Wild, which is so massive and, you know, it's the definition of AAA, and then on the other side you had Switch Bowling and Switch Bowling outsold it, you know, like, um, you know, I suppose that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of glad that these, that these big kind of tentpole, you know, franchises are the biggest games on the Switch, like, you know mario and zelda still have the the cachet that they had decades ago which is mm -hmm, kind of nice mm -hmm. um that that's that's totally true like i remember being a little bit bummed out in the wii era when new super mario brothers wii sold like 30 million copies and uh <laughs> super mario galaxy only sold like around 9 million copies um because galaxy was just like a like a game changer for me that was a great game and oh, new super yeah. mario Absolutely. brothers wii is like it's good and it's well constructed as a like a level design thing but it's just come on man it's 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 so clearly yeah. much more low yeah. effort 
than um than yep. galaxy and i mean every every video game is high effort but galaxy was it, it didn't believe yeah, I, it I know what you mean yeah nine million copies that that should have been a hundred million copies third thing oh yeah h bomber guy <laughs> on twitch uh he is he's a, a known youtuber pretty pretty popular in his own right he streamed a full playthrough of a full 100 percent playthrough of donkey kong 64 which is uh, a massive undertaking very long game uh i think people hear 64 and they think like oh like mario 64 so like around that nope maybe around like seven times the scope of mario 64 just so much in that game uh played all of it took mm. 60 hours um in a an effort to raise money and awareness for a foundation called mermaids which is a uh a charity benefit foundation for uh trans transgender and transsexual uh children so that was great that was that was amazing so many people came out like famous famous people came out to his stream like professional american football players and uh there there were american uh there, there was a, a a sitting congresswoman just came onto his stream and she gave him hints mm-hmm. of like i think with tiny you need to go over here and <laughs> to get the banana which was great <laughs> uh i uh, that was that was fantastic um, especially crazy because it was, it was actually like a lot of um, American, uh, celebrities and personnel and he isn't, he's from, he's from England. Um, yeah. Did, did you catch any of this? Did you, did you see this at all? No, I, but I did, I just read about it, but I, I didn't actually see it. I really want to go back and see it now though, because, um, just reading about the amount of, you know, totally like different random incredible people that yeah that joined um and it's a small thing i know or maybe it's not a small thing but to hear a politician to hear a congresswoman um talking positively about video games and her memories of certain yeah. video games that's just really cool like that's that's really really like i've been waiting for that for decades yeah and especially <laughs> like in in such a such a beneficial constructive light um to raise awareness of of, of trans rights and trans issues uh grant kirko Mm. uh the the composer of of the music in that game came on the stream and he did the voice of donkey kong he was the voice of donkey kong in that game saying just trans trans rights okay um so now you have like a sound bit Mm -hmm. that you can if you want if you're so inclined you can mod into the rom of donkey kong 64 so donkey kong sometimes says trans rights okay um Mm. and people have done that there is there's now a version of donkey kong 64 (laughs) out there that whenever he does a ground pound he says trans rights uh so you got that going on now um which is (laughs) maybe like just kind of facetious and memey and i don't know how genuine it is but it is happening and yeah it it looks like games are are (laughs) at least in this small instance, um, a pretty positive impact on a pretty all-encompassing societal issue. Uh, so my my question, mm. James, is around $300,000 was raised for this in a, a three-day period, which I, I don't know if is any kind of record, but it seems pivotal for uh, 
especially for an, an issue like this that's unfortunately pretty divisive especially in america right mm. now it's it's probably worse mm-hmm. now than it was like three years ago should we be yeah. optimistic about the possibility of games to impact things like this or was this maybe a one-time dealio oh look i i hope it's it's not a one-time thing i mean i've i've always felt that games and and it is it feels a little bit trite to say it but really it's not um i've always felt that games were sort of a were a medium that ideally should be able to bring together lots and lots of different people uh you know from different backgrounds and i think unfortunately what's happened especially with you know the rise of youtube and streaming and everything and and gamergate and all the rest of that stuff uh it in some ways it's kind of enhanced tribalism or it feels like it has and i'm i'm always a little bit um i'm always a little bit careful when i think about these topics because on the one hand we see we always see a lot of that negativity and and that's the stuff that gets kind of reported and spread and retweeted and all the rest of it so it's very very visible but i think that if if you were to kind of look at gaming and content creators and everything overall it's probably a fairly small proportion of what's actually going on it's just that it it has a way of that that poison has a way of rising to the surface all right. the time you know it tends to be the most newsworthy thing or it tends to be the most salacious thing that people want to click on um but when i think about you know the youtube channels i discover all the time the regular youtubers that i watch i mean the vast majority of them are so um you know that they're such obviously kind people who really love what they're doing and who really want to just welcome everybody um but it, it's kind of like that's not it, that doesn't make for exciting news sure. you know what i mean so unfortunately it, it just flies under the radar a lot of the time um but i'm hoping that with this stream with the amount of money that was raised and with the kind of the you know the the people that came onto the stream Mm -hmm. especially um when political leaders come onto a stream i'm hoping that builds a bit of momentum like i'd love to see this just being a regular part of life yeah um i i didn't watch the stream the whole time obviously because it was 60 hours long so I don't know if he took any naps. Mm-hmm. And now that I say that, it was 60 hours long. He had to have. I don't know how he did it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, how'd that go? Yeah. Um, but I, I actually <laughs> did manage to tune in just as he was fighting the final boss and finishing the game. And oh, yeah, cool. and just yeah. like the amount of people that tuned in just for the end uh, and, and we're, we're, we're talking about what he was doing so positively uh was was great and i was i was just really inspired by that um i i I think that we have there's a lot of pitfalls and and traps that games can can uh fall into especially because as you said just like the level of tribalism that internet communities are able to produce is is a um you know pretty pretty alarming but the 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 good that can can come out of them i i think We've only really seen the tip of the iceberg, so I'm I'm excited about the future. Mm. That's been our show. 
if you want to write into the show and talk about how uh, shitty we are for supporting trans rights, I guess, I don't know, you're on the internet, so maybe you have that opinion. I don't really want to hear that one. But if you have a better opinion, you can write it to us at podcast at superjumpmagazine.com. That's podcast at superjumpmagazine.com. Send a, a comment or question, and you might be read on the show. Let's hit in, head into our after-school activities. I feel like I, butch- I butchered that one a little bit, James. I said after-school activities in, uh, in, in one of the worst deliveries of that I've ever done. Uh, I'm not going to edit that out <laughs> or even this sentence describing how I said it. But I will just take one more stab at it for for my own, uh, for for my for my own benefit. Let's head into the after school activities. There we go. I did it. Um, yeah, it go. felt good. <laughs> uh, last time on the show, I recommended a podcast called Humans Who Make Games with uh, Adam Conover, who you might recognize from Adam Ruins mm-hmm. Everything, a, a a pretty interesting TV show. Uh, at the time, he had just put out his first episode, which was an interview with Edmund McMillan. But since then, he's put out two more episodes with Derek Yu, the creator of Spelunky, and Christine Love, who was a new name to me, but uh, she works on a lot of visual novels and uh, specifically games with a, with a very interesting take on uh on on sex and sexual relationships and uh there's sometimes text adventure-esque things as well a lot of really interesting stuff and and hearing about how she incorporated uh those those uh human issues within her games was really interesting and i i would Mm. encourage anyone to go listen to uh both of those both of those episodes they're both really really good so just continue listening to the podcast humans who make games with Adam Conover, uh, if you are debating, however, and I said this, time, I said this last time too. If you're debating between listening to this show and that show, I do insist you listen to this show. Uh, I I feel like that's a really important <laughs> thing that can't be that, that that can't be overstated. We would like you a lot, and you know, at, but over really any after school activity that we recommend. <laughs> That you listen to our show first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and unlike Persona 5, you can listen to more than one podcast True. in a day, generally yeah. speaking. So, yeah. that's exciting. James, what's yours? <laughs> uh, well, mine, it kind of feels a little bit self-indulgent, but I think I should do this. Uh, I'm going to recommend an article that we just published in the last couple of days on super jump magazine uh it's called it's all connected the beauty of tetris effect after a year of grief and sorrow and it's by uh it's by an author called james o'connor who is he's written for for a lot of different publications but he he's probably most known at the moment for reviews at GameSpot. um he's fairly prolific over there and uh, we've known each other for a little while and he was kind enough to, to work with us on, on this piece. Um, I, I kind of don't want to say much about it here because it is a very personal story. Um, and it's a really great example of 
you know, it, it kind of follows on nicely from our conversation about the Twitch stream where uh, it's a really nice story about, um, I guess, the role that, that games can play in our lives, especially in very dark moments of our lives and how, how they can be a really uplifting experience. Um, and it was it, it's an article that has clearly um, resonated with a lot of people because we actually we were actually contacted by Mark McDonald, um, who is the VP of production at Enhanced Games, who built oh, Tetris wow. Effect, um, and and he uh, he said that that this article made his team cry, and and they really genuinely appreciated it, um, and that was just a really lovely comment. It, it, it's really nice, I think to be able to publish articles like this. Um, one of the things that James said to me early on was, you know, he, he pitches to a lot of different places and this was a piece he had been wanting to write for a very long time and no one would publish it. Um, he, he, he couldn't get it published anywhere. And um, so we worked together on this one and uh, I, I'm really proud of it. I think he should be really proud of it. And uh, it, it's just really awesome to be able to, to publish pieces like this at, I, at Super Jump. So I, I saw a notification it. because I'm a I'm a really good Super Jump magazine reader, and I read I, almost everything that comes out of the, the magazine. I'm just bragging right now, and I'm bragging so you try to challenge me, listener, <laughs> and read more. Um, but I, I saw a notification that this this uh, article came up, and I, I read the the first beginning of it but then i i was i was busy and i couldn't finish it um and i i, w- I want to come back to that and re- make sure I, I read it thank you for reminding me personally because th- that's it seems like such a interesting uh game and, and, and such an interesting take on that game i i, I think if there's any mm. sale for the article if you're if you're on the fence about reading it is that if you don't understand why tetris effect is more than just Tetris, I think this is a great article for you. Um, yeah, can you can definitely. you say the name of it again for our listeners? Yeah, so the article's called uh, It's All Connected, The Beauty of Tetris Effect After a Year of Grief and Sorrow. Uh, and, I mean, we will um, we, we'll link to this in the, in the podcast article. Definitely. We will, as well. Yeah, we've actually been doing that yep. less, but we will do it, definitely, definitely do it this time. We, we, yeah. we'll get back into um, it. Yeah. so that's been the show for real this time we're actually done our theme song has been by Jamatar please subscribe, review us on iTunes uh, tell a friend, you can follow us on social media at Super Jump Magazine on, on basically Twitter and Facebook and all the places and you can read the actual magazine itself at superjumpmagazine.com it'll take you to our Medium page where you can find great uh, articles like James's, James O'Connor's uh, Tetris piece and uh, articles about the podcast itself. In the meantime, however, while you're searching for that, I just wanted to say thanks for listening and stay super!